We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, Oxford University music professors deem sheet music, sheet music, colonialist, and say that the curriculum at Oxford, one of the premier universities in the entire world, needs to be decolonialized. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. The topic for today's show comes from Oxford, England. Oxford, one of the premier universities in the entire world, one of the first universities in human history. Oxford, if you do not know, is a thousand years old. Oxford was founded, oh, let's say around 1000 AD. And it has been in existence since preceded Cambridge, obviously preceded all of the institutions in the United States. In fact, Harvard and Dartmouth and Princeton and Yale are just babies, just baby institutions compared to Oxford. Oxford University, I've actually spent time there. I had the blessing of attending the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics a couple years ago, a five-week program there, where I studied at the knee of some of the best Christian apologists, Christian scholars, and philosophers in the world, John Lennox, Michael Ramsden, Amy Orr Ewing, Oz Guinness, my hero. You've heard me tell stories of Oz Guinness. In fact, it was at Oxford where I had the epiphany of the difference between hierarchical government and covenantal government. It was Oz Guinness who taught me that at the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics. Oxford is the institution out of which we get John Wesley, J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis. Oxford is the place where the world has been changed because of scientific discovery. Great music, great art, and great literature. Oxford is the place out of which much of the world has been redeemed by the truth of Christ and the truth of Scripture. As you walk through the streets of Oxford, college after college of these ancient medieval structures as crosses and Christian iconage displayed. Now, I'm not claiming that today they still hold true to that biblical worldview. At least, by and large, they don't. Oxford is now the place where Richard Dawkins, the famous or infamous contemporary atheist who has taken upon himself to challenge all that Christianity stands for. That's where Richard Dawkins is right now. So Oxford has, like many academic institutions, become quite secular over the decades and over the centuries. And today's story just proves that the slippery slope to hell 
is something that most academic institutions just can't resist, and most cultures can't resist. Because like Chesterton told us, when you stop believing in God, it's not that you don't believe in anything any longer. It's that you will believe anything that comes your way. The vacuum will be filled. And if you take God out of the soul, the vacuum will be filled by evil, by nonsense, by these ridiculous ideas. If you take common sense out of the human soul, it will be filled by nonsense. And that's the moral of today's show. Oxford music professors deem sheet music colonialist, a product of white privilege, and they say the curriculum at Oxford needs to be expunged of sheet music and be decolonialized. The inmates are running the asylum. I'm going to go over this story with you, and then I'm going to deconstruct it, pick it apart, and we're going to digest it, and we're going to end, end on a positive note today. I need to always try to push myself not to end negatively, and I fail at that sometimes. I don't want to leave you with a downer all the time. Okay, what's Piper going to rant about today? What kind of downer is he going to lay upon us today? We'd rather have a message of hope every once in a while. Well, today I'm going to make sure that you understand that the critique of this story is actually a critique that's loaded with hope and opportunity Because the biblical worldview is the only antidote to this disease. And there's great beauty and power and hope and opportunity in the biblical worldview. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Remember that if you'd like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. That's patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. And remember my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good is due to be released on April 13th. I'm going on Fox News that week. I'm going on Glenn Beck's show, The Dennis Prager Show. I've already had several other shows that are already um, in the can. They've been recorded. They, They will be released shortly. I'm going on Grover Norquist's show today. The list goes on and on. I'll keep you updated as to that uh, marketing week, if you will, that, that week where I'll be out there on the stump talking about grow up, life isn't safe, but it's good. But please go to Amazon.com now and pre-order it. And remember, when you order the book, also... Go to that website, Amazon.com, and give me a ranking for the book. Rankings are huge. We need several hundred rankings. I humbly ask for you to consider giving it the highest five-star ranking, and you don't have to say anything other than maybe great book, important read, Piper, somebody that needs to be heard. Say something like that. Very brief. You don't have to write a long tome in your review of the book, but please consider giving one. I'm Dr. Everett Piper. This is The Rebellion. Let's take a couple minutes and acknowledge our corporate sponsors, and we'll, we'll be right back after that to discuss Oxford University's music. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. This story, I'm, it's in several news outlets. I'm getting it from Fox. Bradford Betts is the author of this particular short 
news piece. Oxford University's music professors deem sheet music colonialist and say the curriculum curriculum needs to be decolonialized. Does this sound familiar to that story I read to you, oh, about a week ago, about the California curriculum that seeks to decolonialize all of the curriculum in the public education system in California. Six million students will be impacted by the new proposed curriculum. And it talks about the colonialization and the evils that came with it. And it calls for the solution to the colonialization of America by the West, by, I presume, Great Britain. The solution is counter-genocide, because the colonialists were guilty of genocide, they say, and therefore the solution is counter-genocide, and they're going to teach all of our public school kids in California, again, over six million a year, that the solution to the world's woes is counter-genocide. Now, what could possibly go wrong with that idea, right? And they're doing it under the banner of Aztec gods. That somehow the Aztec gods of human sacrifice and cannibalism. Yes, that's true. That's a historical fact. There was one day recorded where 80,000 human beings were sacrificed to one Aztec god. So the solution to white supremacy, the solution to colonialism, the solution to Eurocentric thinking and Western worldviews. The solution to Winston Churchill and all of his evils is to decolonialize the West and then engage in counter-genocide. Hmm. Like I've said before, we better start waking up. They're serious about this stuff. Teach vice teach violence, and you're going to get vengeance. You're going to get blood in the streets. Ideas have consequences. Back to the story. Faculty members said the curriculum should be broadened in its music offerings. The story goes on. Staff members within the University of Oxford's music department have deemed sheet music colonialists and have suggested ways to decolonialize the curriculum. Professors said that music notation has not shaken off its connection to its colonial past, and that not rebranding it would be a slap in the face for students of color. There it is. More balkanization, more division, more divisive talk. No unity will divide people by color by the level of melanin they carry in their skin. We won't call upon the university to teach that we should be colorblind. We're going to tell everybody that they need to be color sensitive, frankly, that they need to be racist and and, um, analyze and categorize people by color rather than the content of their character. There it is. That's the presumption. That is the premise of this argument. This is reported by the British outlet, The Telegraph, by the way, a major newspaper in Great Britain. The story goes on. The same faculty also reported questioning whether the current curriculum 
was complicit with, here it comes, white supremacy. Again, more division, more balkanization, more us against them, more than 99 versus the one, whites against blacks, Europeans against everybody else, colonialists against the pure in heart. They want to cancel or expunge European music from the slave period. And guess who that would include? Mozart and Beethoven. The professors further suggest that certain classical music skills, like playing the piano and conducting orchestral arrangements, ought not be required within the music department of Oxford because they structurally center on white European music and cause students of color great distress. Yes, those were quotes. I read that straight from the news story. And that is a quote from the Oxford faculty. Maybe I should repeat that one. The professors further suggest that certain classical musical skills, like playing the piano and conducting orchestral arrangements, ought not to be required any longer because they structurally center on white European music and cause students of color great distress. Do you see how racist that is? You're assuming that someone who is black, someone who is from a different culture, someone who isn't of your culture, doesn't have the skill, the ability, the emotional maturity to engage in Beethoven or Mozart's music. That it'll cause them great distress. And therefore, you're going to coddle them and you're going to dumb everything down because they don't have the ability, the maturity, the capability, the skill necessary to handle that. You're going to treat them like children. This is what I confront in my book, Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. Guess what? Majoring in music at Oxford shouldn't be safe. It should be good. It should be challenging. It should confront people. It should stretch people. It shouldn't care about what color your skin is. It should call upon you to perform at a given level. And if you're distressed by that, good. No pain, no gain. It's one of the principles of growing up, acting like an adult, rather than expecting to be coddled perpetually through life. This will not end well. This is not a good idea. Faculty members said the curriculum should broaden its music offerings with studies like African and African music options, global musics, and popular musics. They're the ones plural, making it plural. I'm not, I'm not too sure why they just can't say global music and popular music. When did they decide to make it plural? I don't even know. Oxford's music curriculum already offers non-Eurocentric course options, but the professors who proposed these changes said the school's nearly, quote, all-white faculty gives, quote, privilege to white musicians by default. The proposed changes appear to be driven by the organization Black Lives Matter arising from international Black Lives Matter demonstrations, the faculty board proposed making changes to enhance the diversity of the undergraduate curriculum, is a quote. 
A spokesperson for Oxford's Faculty of Music told Fox News that earlier reports incorrectly stated that the faculty was considering doing away with music notation altogether. Then he said this, For the past couple years, the Faculty of Music at Oxford has been planning some exciting new elements to our curriculum in consultation with our staff and students, which we will be pleased to publish in the summer once they have university approval. This, you may, say, you, you may say you don't care. This is Oxford. It's music department. You don't care about this. A bunch of eggheads at one of the major universities of the world talking nonsense again. Now, what's taught today in the classroom will be practiced more tomorrow in our culture. And if there's anything I've said on this show that has been proven daily in the news, it's that. The chickens are coming home to roost, people. What we teach in the classroom will be practiced in our culture. If you teach decolonialization in the classroom, it will come home to roost in our Congress and in our courts, in our country, in our corporations. The reason you're seeing the cancel culture being so powerful and so engaged in silencing the opposition, silencing you and silencing me, literally, because you can't speak forthrightly on Facebook or Twitter any longer, and it's going to get worse. The reason you're seeing that is all of these snowflakes that were in college yesterday are now employed by Amazon and Google and Facebook and Twitter today. And their job descriptions are called fact checkers. They don't like this stuff. They feel uncomfortable. It's a trigger to them. It's a microaggression. It's white supremacy. It's a product of white privilege. The list goes on and on and on. And therefore, they just put their hands over their ears and they say, no, 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 I can't hear you. But that's not the way they do it any longer. Today, they actually have power because they can silence you. They can cancel you. They can just click a button and make it impossible for you to say what I'm saying right now or to write what I write or to post it anywhere. Well, you've got the freedom of speech, they say but they deny you any platform by which you can say it and be heard. That's a topic for a different show, perhaps. Can you have freedom of speech if they deny you any place to speak? If they basically say, we'll put you in a cell, you can say what you want in the cell with no audience, say what you want. We don't care. You've got freedom of speech. We haven't compromised your First Amendment rights. You're free. Is that true freedom if you don't have an audience? Different show for a different time. But I said I was going to end on a positive note. And here's how I'm going to do it. Let's go back and just think about this story at the Oxford University Music Department. And their claim that they need to decolonialize the music department and get rid of sheet music music notation, and consider expunging the curriculum of composers such as Mozart and Beethoven, and any other composer who produced music during the slave period. What does that mean? When was the slave period? Well, basically they're saying get rid of all music up until the 1860s because slavery was rampant worldwide, not just in Europe, not just in the colonies, not just in America, but worldwide. And guess what? You might want to start canceling all of 
the music that comes out of several other areas of the world right now because slavery is more prevalent now. There are more people enslaved in the world right now than ever before in human history. Many countries in the Muslim world still engage in slavery. That's a fact. Nobody wants to talk about it. And if you're going to cancel everybody that was engaged in the slave trade up to the 1860s, then you better start canceling the music of African tribes who trafficked and provided the product for the Europeans to buy. You know that, don't you? That's a fact nobody wants to discuss. That many of the slaves were captured during tribal conflict and war in Africa, and the victors took their enemies, their captors, the survivors of the war, those that they had defeated, they took them, put them in chains, and took them to the Ivory Coast and sold them to the Europeans who put them on ships and took them around the world. Were the Europeans guilty of a terrible sin? Absolutely. That's what William Wilberforce confronted. That's what John Newton confronted. That's what John Wesley confronted. Were the Europeans guilty? Yes. In no way is my commentary trying to expunge Anglo-Saxons of this guilt. But it's not white guilt. It's human guilt, the human soul, because blacks and whites and every other race and color in between were guilty of engaging in this trade up until the 1860s. And many today are still engaged in it. As you know, my wife fights human trafficking. My, my wife started an organization, a movement, to try to solve, as best she could, just a little bit of this problem. We've talked about it on this show. The fact that these people think they're so high and mighty and are somehow not guilty of the same sins of their, as their brothers and sisters, their black brothers and their white sisters, the fact that they think that they are somehow above this is just incredible. While they worship gods and chant, Panka Day, Panka Day, to the Aztec god of human sacrifice, as if that's better than worshiping at the cross of Christ? So the solution, the positive note, as we enter into Easter weekend, it's the biblical worldview. It's the lesson of four that we've talked about before. What's the solution to this? It's to evaluate these ideas as well as every idea that crosses your path within the context of the primacy of Jesus Christ, the priority of Scripture, the pursuit of truth, and the practice of wisdom. Look at this news story through that lens of four, through those four eyes, if you will. Put on the glasses, the spectacles of the primacy of Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God, the priority of Scripture, that the Bible is the Word of God, of the pursuit of truth, that truth is given by God. Truth is given by God. Truth is given by God. It's an objective reality. It's a fact. It's not a fabrication. It's not a fantasy. It's not make-believe. It's not an opinion. Truth is an objective reality, and your goal as a human being is to find more of that truth and stop worshiping at the altar of feelings. The facts don't care about your feelings. 
So one more time, the primacy of Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God. He is the great I Am. We know the end of the story because he has told us what it is. Jesus Christ himself, God incarnate, the Word made flesh and dwelling among us, the creator of all things. The second person of the triune God, Jesus has told us that the gates of hell cannot prevail against his church. You can take that one to the bank. He won't break his promise. The body of Christ cannot be defeated even by the gates of hell. We certainly can't be defeated by nonsense like this stuff coming out of Oxford. The biblical worldview is so far superior to Black Lives Matter, neo-Marxist creed. Black Lives Matter seeks to divide, to balkanize, us against them. It is fueled by anger and revenge and resentment and hatred. But the biblical worldview is the opposite. It seeks to heal, to forgive. It preaches confession, not conquest. It teaches repentance, not revenge. It says, look in the mirror. The problem is you. Stop looking out the window and blaming everybody else. That's the biblical worldview, the primacy of Jesus Christ. The priority of Scripture. Scripture is inerrant, infallible, authoritative. It's true. The pursuit of truth. We've covered that one. It's out there. It's real. Go get more of it and be satisfied with nothing less. As C.S. Lewis said, stop being satisfied with mud pies in the back alley when you can have a vacation at the beach. Pursue the beauty, the goodness of truth. And then finally, the practice of wisdom. Put all this stuff into practice. Practice what you preach. The practice of wisdom, of obedience, of sanctification, being set apart as something different, better than what you were before. Therefore, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's a message of transformation, not transgenderism. It's a message of you can be born again. You must be born again. You don't need to be satisfied with saying, I was born that way. That's the message that changed the world. That's the message that came out of Oxford, England. That's the message that came with the people, broken as they may have been, the colonialists, as they changed the world and stopped the Aztecs from butchering people and sacrificing 80,000 of them a day to their god of human sacrifice and cannibalism. Are we perfect in the West? Absolutely not. We're broken human beings. But do we understand redemption, repentance, forgiveness, and confession as we do if we return to the lesson of the four keys, Christ, Scripture, and truth. I'm Dr. Everett Piper. This is The Rebellion. And happy Easter.